KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Food insecurity continues to be a serious, serious problem in this country, even as we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. But could the expanded child tax credit set to kick in later this month with money being sent directly to families be a game changer in addressing that food insecurity? We caught up with Lori Jones, CEO of Phil Abundance, the nonprofit working to end hunger in the Philadelphia area, to get her thoughts on the impact the child tax credit could have and also talk about what life's been like for Phil Abundance during the pandemic. Give a listen. So let's just kind of start with a general idea. I have spoken to folks from Phil Abundance and other food banks over the last year and a half. Uh, Where are you guys right now as far as the need in the community? What's being asked of you? Are you off the peak of a few months ago or are you still at an incredibly high level of, of people that need help? I'm going to give you a little bit of history to give you the answer to that question. So think back to the last time we had a challenging economic environment in our country, not even nearly as challenging as we saw with the economic crisis and pandemic. Um, But back in 2008, um, there obviously were really challenges around housing and funding and and almost a recession for our folks. It took 10 years for this country to return to pre-2008 food insecurity rates. 10 years. And that was a big economic crisis, but clearly not even didn't scratch the surface of what we experienced over the last year and a half. And so to answer where we are now, there definitely has been some optimism. You know, think about it. Folks are feeling very liberated. There's a vaccine now against COVID, but as we know, there's no vaccine against hunger. And so people saw over the last year and a half, um, we saw longer lines. We saw the the need for people who are food insecure jump by 60%, 60% in our region and across the country. 40% of those people were newly food insecure. And so food banks like Phil Abundance and all of our partners um, definitely stepped up. We doubled our amount of food distribution. We quadrupled what we spent on, on food to get it out to people in need. The reality though, Matt, is that right now things are getting a little bit better with the support that's coming in from the federal government. And so the supplemental funds that have been provided are definitely helpful for the people that we serve, but we know for them to get out of the hole that they got into through the pandemic and economic crisis is going to take several years. And uh, there are things I want to talk about government programs, specifically the tax credit, but I want to get to that in a moment. But I'm curious, I imagine, and if I remember correctly from previous conversations with other folks at Phil Abundance, you guys had a surge of donations when, you know, as much as there are a lot of people hurting, there are a lot of people that want to help as things quote unquote, get back to normal and normal is a term that is different for everybody. Are you still getting the donations from the public you need? Because this is one of those things that as the focus moves on to other things, it in theory, people can forget about giving. Where are you as far as the attention you're getting from people as far as donations? Um, you're exactly right. If you, you've talked to our folks before, so you know, the reality is what we experienced at Phil Abundance and really food banks across the country was an outpouring of love and support from neighbors across the country. We saw children empty their, their piggy banks and say, more people need food, spend this $5 to help our neighbors in need. Um, we saw folks that signed over um, their stimulus checks or the EBT statements because while they needed help, they realized that their neighbors needed it more. And so we did see kind of record numbers of people giving small and large amounts to fill abundance and, and, and food banks across the country. That definitely has subsided. 
I think as the world is open, is open back up, people have been reminded that there's so many other charities that also deserve our support. And so we are seeing some of the support that comes um, to, that came to food banks over the last year definitely subsiding. Um, that said, as, as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, um, there definitely is still this increased need. So we anticipate having to operate at this heightened level um, that we've operated at for the last 15 months, year and a half for the year for several years to come. And so we actually are redoubling our fundraising efforts and looking to get additional support and diversify that support so we can meet that need. Over the last 15, 16 months, have you guys developed programs that were done on an, you know, for lack of a better term, an emergency basis because of the situations, but that worked really well and might be sticking around. I know one thing that jumps in my mind when I think you guys, I know had no touch pickup services where you would have like a donation center set up and people didn't have to get out of their car, just open the trunk and you guys would put it in. Will stuff like that stick around? Are there other things that out of necessity you, you may have done, but you kind of learned, you know what, this maybe works better or, or could be a, a good tool for our toolbox, even when things settle down. Absolutely. And one of the things we found is, as you know, is everybody had to operate differently with CDC guidelines and requirements and no contact delivery, needing to make sure that people were wearing masks and people were safe and there were um, people were distanced and social distancing and all that. We definitely had to operate differently. Um, so one way that you, you mentioned uh, last spring and summer, we operated what we called a truck to trunk operation where folks would drive up, pop their trunk, and we were able to put boxes of food, dairy, meats, produce, et cetera, right in there for them. They could drive off safe, no contact. Um, the other thing we did during COVID, um, we have a, a, a very significant senior um, food delivery program. So we provide produce, dry goods to seniors on a monthly basis. Pre-COVID, seniors, probably with help from their family members or folks in their community, would come and pick up those food boxes. Well, during COVID, we remember our seniors, especially, we were especially encouraging to stay home. And so we shifted with our agency partners to doing home delivery of those of those produce, dry goods, et cetera. Um, so that's something we did differently. And as we did this, and actually I did some, some deliveries one day and I said, hey, these are not such light boxes. I can't imagine my mother, who's a senior citizen, kind of carrying a box that big. Maybe we should keep this delivery, um, this delivery model. Um, and so what we have done, one of the ways we innovated this past year is we started not just providing those kind of ingredients, dry goods, produce. We added to that meals. And so I'm actually sitting right now in one of our brand new facilities at Phil Abundance Community Kitchen, where for 20 years we've operated a, a culinary arts training program. Over the last year, we've pushed our catering operation to really a meal production operation. And we are producing 7,000 meals a week. And some of those meals are going out to seniors and being delivered to seniors. Over the course of the last year, we did a program where we provided these meals to, to out of work food workers. So you know how the restaurant industry was, was devastated. So we provided them with produce as we often do, but we also provided them with, with um, prepared meals. So very long way of saying among the innovations is that we realized that particularly for certain populations that were vulnerable, delivering to them made sense. And part of how we innovated was used a new facility we have to provide healthy meals to seniors that have them delivered to their homes. I know you guys rely a lot on volunteers and correct me if I'm wrong, I think I would imagine your volunteer base skews older, you know, people that are retired, people that have more more time on their hands. And I would imagine, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, that took a hit during COVID because they were more vulnerable and, you know, people fear the virus. Where are you as far as getting the volunteer hours you need? Has that have you seen that, you know, kind of. Uh, course correct back to something back to what you were used to pre-COVID? 
Matt, you're absolutely right. So for us and our agency partners, I should should say, Matt, that the way we really deliver our food is through 350 incredible agency partners across the region. So in South Jersey and Southeastern Pennsylvania. So think about it, a food pantry, a cupboard at a church, at a senior center. Those are our partners. Um, And they especially are fueled by volunteers that tend to be seniors. So early on in the pandemic, a huge percentage of those really had to shut down for several weeks or for a longer period of time because they were so um, so relied heavily on volunteers. We were able to, as part of our operation and our repack of what we do in our warehouses, we were able to relatively quickly invite volunteers back into our space. We had to do it using CDC requirements. We had to reduce the number of people in. So shifts went from 25 people to like 10 or 12. Um, So that definitely had an impact on our operations. But for pretty much the entire time of COVID, we had um, volunteers in, we just had fewer volunteers. Our agency partners, it was harder for them. And one of the things we ended up doing this past year was helping them identify volunteers who were able to come out um, and serve them. We do feel like, again, with the world opening, that things are uh, are changing. We had, I'm very um, excited to announce about two Saturdays ago, we had a great partnership with the National Association of Asian American Professionals. They had about 100 and 125 folks in their organization come out to one of our warehouses and pack 522 boxes. So volunteerism definitely is back in this region. And there are many people in this area who we welcome to join us and volunteer with us. To the point, volunteers and staff, What's been the toll on them mentally and emotionally? Because, you know, I'm sure in those in those roles, you're always hearing a lot of stories of hardship and, you know, a lot of stories that break your heart. And I can only imagine over the last year that's kind of been on steroids and that takes a toll on people. How have, you know, your staff and your kind of your core volunteers come through this, you know, because they've had to deal with a lot of uh, of sad stuff, I'm sure. You know, that's, that's right. And, you know, the, the reality, I'll, I'll talk to you often just personally as Lori Jones is a leader in this time and also as the leader of Phil Abundance. The reality is COVID has been hard on all of us. What we all went through individually and collectively dealing with a global pandemic that we could never imagine, the economic crisis, the racial awakening, what that's meant for us individually, our families, our communities, our region, our country, our world that's been really challenging and experts, I'm not an expert in this, but experts are talking about the behavioral health toll that took on individuals in our community. So absolutely, that's something that our teams had to deal with our staff and our volunteers. I think for some of them, what they've said is that, the, that having this outlet, having the ability to do this work, the ability to serve people who in need, people who had even more challenges than them, they found rewarding and gratifying. Um, so I think that some of why we had our, our volunteers that came every week after week was it helped them feel that they were a part of something bigger than, than they are. Um, the other side of it is, and if you talk to, I think, folks leading organizations, nonprofits, for-profits, all of us have, have had to think about the wellness of our staff, adjusting to a virtual world, um, adjusting to kind of taking care of our kids at home and all the things that we've had to deal with over the last year. For us at Phil Abundance, we have doubled down our work in supporting um, our employees. We've amped up employee engagement, more professional developments. Um, we've encouraged people to use employee assistance programs. We made sure we were following all CDC guidelines to make sure that we were keeping everybody safe. We worked hard to get our staff volunteers. We encouraged our employees to take time off. Um, and so all the things about employee wellness that people thought about pre-COVID, we really doubled down on because we knew it was critically important. And we also, wherever we could, in any way we could, offered appreciation to our staff. We had companies and individuals who would send lunches to our frontline employees 
um, as a way to say thank you. So you're absolutely right. This has been a challenging year for our employees and for our staff. I think being here and being able to help others is part of how they got through. So I'm very curious, and we referenced this early in our conversation. As we're talking here, second week of July, within a matter of days, we're going to start to see this expanded child tax credit that was part of the American Rescue Plan. Families will get between $250, $300 a kid just deposited in there, not something they have to apply for, no hoops to jump through, no bureaucracy to to fall into a hole of, just going to show up in your direct deposit. I can't help but think this is going to be a game changer for a lot of the people that you help. Have you guys started to kind of uh, game plan out what this could look like and the impact it could have on uh, the people that you help? We have. And, you know, a key part of our work um, that I think folks maybe isn't as visible to everybody, a key part of Philip Bunce's work has always been advocacy. We have always been working to partner with other organizations like ours, talking to elected officials, government officials about providing supplements and support for people who face um, food insecurity. That's always been a part of what we've done. We've always said, let's increase SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, what we used to call food stamps, to ensure that people had money in their hands to make healthy decisions and purchase food for their families. And oh, by the way, when they have that, they're supporting the local economy. So that's actually been something we've always supported. The other thing I'll, I'll share is that we talk about what happened over the last year in COVID. We had another very special thing happen at Bill Abundance for the people that we serve. Back in January on King Day of Service, then President-elect Biden visited us. He came and helped us pack boxes of food that would go out to our agencies and people who are food insecure. While at Phil Abundance, we talked, we said, we're talking now about emergency food assistance, but we also want to work to end hunger for good. We also want to work to address these root causes. It doesn't make any sense that people are only getting the food in boxes from us. How else can we make sure that families and children are fed? And he made a commitment to us then, and I think we've seen it now in this tax credit and other things. He made a commitment that he is absolutely going to work and his administration was going to work to end childhood poverty. Um, and so this, this is definitely a step in the right direction. It's something we've been advocating for for a while. We were absolutely pleased. Um, and we want to partner with government, with other organizations as well, to make sure that families have all the resources that they need. And at the same time, while that's happening, we're going to continue to make sure people have access to fresh, healthy food today. And I'm curious because I'm, I could understand when this passed, it wasn't talked about a lot because there were more there were things that were going to be more immediate in stimulus payments and the enhanced unemployment, which carried the day of the discussion. But as this approached in July 15th was is the day I think we'll start to see it out. I haven't seen much talk. Do you feel that uh, uh, the people that are going to get this help realize they're going to get it? Like, the, uh, uh, you know, talk about advocacy. Uh, but do you think these people are aware that the, you know, the Calvary's coming to a point that there's going to be help showing up in their bank accounts? You know, it's a great Great question. I think some people are aware. Um, and so I'll go back and talk about a couple of things. One is that I mentioned a little bit earlier that so many more Americans are food insecure. 60% we've seen through COVID. 40% of them newly, insecure, newly food insecure. And so what's happening is that we have people who really have to rely on the social safety net for the first time ever, who may not have pre-COVID been aware that these kinds of resources were available. So that's part of the population that we need to make sure knows about these, um, these kinds of resources. But there are also people who've relied on various elements of the social safety net that may, as you said, not be aware of it. Part of what we've done to try to help make sure people are informed, um, we actually 
um, have had webinars for agency partners um, to say, here, we've had folks in from the White House, well, virtually in from the White House. We've had advocates say, here's what's on tap. Here's what's coming from the federal government. Here's how we can provide you with resources to make sure that the people that are, as they're picking up food, as you're delivering food for them, have it. So I'm glad that you raised that point. Part of what our role too is to make sure people know that that's available. And then while it's not necessarily something that Bill Abundance does directly, there are many entities, some in the city of Philadelphia and in this region that do a really great job of helping people access benefits. Um, and that's something that we, you know, as partners, we're supportive as well. And I'm curious, how big is it? You know, you talk about food stamps and, you know, programs that are in place, but we do not make it easy. We people have to jump through hoops and then there is unfortunately a stigma attached to that. A lot of people like to pass judgment in the line if somebody is utilizing them for things they don't think. How big is it that this is just money that's showing up in the account and people can can use it and it eases the burden without hoops and without judgment? You know, I, I think it's among the the lessons and silver lining of the pandemic, right? So I think among, you know, there's so much stuff that's been bad last year with so many lost lives, so many, so many folks lost jobs, so much kind of challenging hurt challenges that people have gone through. I think that even in the spring of last year, when the government started providing people with supplemental support, employee, unemployment supplements and the rest, um, almost kind of, you know, just kind of sending that to people with support. I think it's shifted. I think we're starting to shift how we think about benefits. I think we're beginning to realize what many of us have been doing this work for decades understood. People are in these situations there, but no, no, um, no, nothing that they did themselves. It's not like somebody did something wrong. Somebody didn't wake up and choose. No child woke up and say, hey, I want to be hungry. I want to be poor. Um, and I think that some of the stigma, because of the way the, the, um, the federal government has responded, I think some of the stigma is starting to be pulled back because um, because it's being sent in a more proactive way. Um, at least that's what the optimist in me believes. Um, so I, I'm hoping that we've turned a corner. I'm hoping we've also learned from, from the pandemic how much our fates are intertwined. Um, so the reality is, that if when the economy shut down, that had a negative impact on all of us. While some people might have been okay and been able to work from home, we really realized how much we relied on essential workers, hospital workers especially, but then also who was handling our food, right? We realized how much we relied on grocery workers. We realized how much we relied on mail carriers. And so I, the optimist in me believes that among the, the lessons and the silver linings from this last year is that we realize that we need to make sure that everybody in our country is okay in order for all of us to be okay. With regards to the child tax credit, when I have heard it talked about, you know, within the punditry and the political circles, uh, I've heard thrown around that uh, they think this could help slash child poverty in half. Are you that, is that on point? I know the devil's always in the details, but do you, are you confident that we could see that significant uh, a move made as a result of this? I, I do. I believe that's true. And I believe that the the test will really be how long um, the support is offered. So I think we definitely will see an immediate need and people will feel that immediate, immediate need and relief. Um, but I think there are folks that are, we're also advocating to have this, these kinds of supports continued and not end just, um, just this year. And so I think that if we find some, some way that we're providing significant sustained support to families with kids that we absolutely can have a longer lasting impact. And here's why among the reasons it's important. Let me just, just say, I don't want it to go without saying um, we know that if children do not have access to healthy food, like infants, small children, toddlers, 
it will have a negative impact on their brain development. We know that if children don't have access to a healthy meal, that they're not able to, they're not going to be able to learn in school. So we know there are um, long-term educational impacts of this. We know there are long-term um, health and, and developmental impacts on this. It's critically important. And then just a small piece, you know, Matt, I worked in city government years, years ago, we would sometimes make decisions about whether you close a school on a really cold day or snowy day based on whether or not kids were getting food. The sad reality is for like the 200,000 or so school children just in Philadelphia County, let's say we serve the whole region, but Philadelphia County, um, that um, that 100% of them are eligible for free school lunches. Right. We know that in Philadelphia. So we know we saw during the pandemic that if folks aren't coming to school on a snowy day, we're not sure where they're getting food from. Um, And so making sure that we have systems in place to ensure that these families have access and able to feed their kids even outside of school is critically important. And you mentioned that, you know, you referenced that the program, the tax credit is temporary. I we were talking before we started the interview. I'm optimistic that one way or another, it's going to stick around because I think it's incredibly difficult to claw back a benefit once people have felt the the tangible effects and it has a positive impact and this will have nothing but positive impacts in in the in the community where are you on the the optimism meter as far as that we will see this become just kind of a part of the fabric of the benefits of american life i tend to be optimistic in our work uh, I'm not sure how the opt- I'm sure your your level of optimism about this i think that we will see I think we'll see the positive impact, and I'd like to believe that that is going to be compelling enough um, for government officials, for elected officials to keep it going. Um, I'm not going to take that for granted, and that's why we were pushing on our advocacy. We actually um, had a, a great visit at one of, with one of our partners just two weeks ago with one of our senators, U.S. Senator uh, Casey, um, and we talked about these very issues. So um, I definitely think that we'll, the, the, number, the numbers and research will show that it's positive. I hope we're going to advocate and push um, that that does compel people to keep these kinds of supports from family for families going. Do you anticipate that we will see a decline in the people that need other government programs like for food assistance because they can simply take this type of money and they wouldn't need that? Or is that not something that's really on the, the radar at this point? We are absolutely thrilled about this program. We're absolutely thrilled that over the last year we've got, you know, won some increases in SNAP. We are absolutely moving in the right direction. The reality is the pandemic showed us this, but I think some of us knew this before. The challenges some of our families face are deep-rooted. They are complex. Um, it's not in our, it's not food alone, right? It's not simply that people are only food insecure. Um, there's issues around housing and housing, safe housing and affordable housing. There are issues around access to health care. There are issues around education. And these things are absolutely intertwined. Um, and so I definitely believe that providing people with additional funds um, will definitely move them up and move them in the right direction. Um, I also think there are many of us in our organizations that have been working um, collectively and collaboratively to really address um, what's often termed as the root causes of poverty, um, to really um, address those issues that people don't end up in these positions in the first place. And so I think, you know, I guess, you know, you asked me about being optimistic. I'll say, despite the pandemic, right, even because of what we saw over the course of the last year, I believe the challenges we saw were so big. Things were so tough that as individuals, as organizations, as government agencies, people, a, a humility was required of people. They said, we realize we can't do it alone. And so organizations and people started coming together around the table to think about how they were going to solve these complex issues. Um, 
it was a health pandemic. I got to underscore that. And we've been working for years on the social determinants of health, of which we know food insecurity and housing insecurity are key. And so my very long answer to your question, Matt, is um, I believe we are poised to think about these ways in systematic Think, think about these issues in systematic ways and begin to see what's our pieces. What's our pieces fill abundance? What's a piece of, um, on the government side? What's a piece of the housing side so that we can, in fact, support families and families with children in a meaningful way to move them out of poverty and into self-sufficiency? Has the last year and a half made fill abundance stronger? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's made us stronger because... Through this, we have also, we have, we have shifted our thinking. We um, have shifted our thinking to really focus and center our work on the people who are food insecure. Um, We have, um, you know, and people have been really generous with us. There's been an increased need. We've had to spend more money on food. We've had to adjust the way we do things. We've also had to think about how we provide the food um, in a way that is safe for people. That's part of what COVID taught us and pushed us to do. We had to make sure we were delivering food to seniors. It also taught us that we need to be really centering this around the people. What kind of food do people want? When and how can they access the food? How can we provide the right food the right way at the right time to really relieve um, the burdens that that the families that we serve have? And so for us, our way of shifted become much more people-centered, centering our work around the people that we support and serve every day. That's the the change that that we've seen and led here at Phil Abundance. I think it's making us stronger, but more importantly, I think we're doing a much better job of, of serving and empowering the people who are food insecure in our region. And to close out our discussion, if people want to help, what should they do? People absolutely should visit our website. That's easy, easiest way, philabundance.org. I encourage you to look at advocacy. Help us to advocate to keep programs like the Child Tax Credit going for longer for our families. Um, I wouldn't be a good CEO of a nonprofit if I didn't ask you to contrib- continue to contribute funds for us. We always are looking for, as we say, funds, food, and friends. Visit our, our website to learn more about how to do that. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.